0: Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We we'll want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Hey, welcome to Live Free Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, we're working through the book of Acts, which. Um, is a series we've called Sent. and, and Acts is this incredible book of, of really powerful sermons and incredible miracles and, and the rapid um, spread of the early church. So today we're going to continue on in that, and if you have a Bible, you can flip to um, Acts 4. But first, I want to begin with a question. What does it mean to be bold? And I floated this question around the office this week and sort of got... A variety of different answers. One is that boldness is intentionally being present with people. Another is boldness is being able to forgive one another and to love one another. Another is that boldness is the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you and empowering you. And if we step back for a moment and we just define boldness, it's this idea of of taking risks, facing danger with confidence and with courage. Boldness then from from a practical stance might look like making a really hard decision. Or it could be, as I said before, being intentional or forgiving or loving. It might be maybe stepping out and starting a business or it could be standing up for someone. It might be facing a fear or, or maybe asking someone out on a date. It could be standing up for a cause, or it could even be moving somewhere. And that was, that was my story a couple of years ago. I had to make a decision to move to the big city of Kelowna. And maybe you think that, okay, Kelowna's not that big, but I came from a small town of about 18,000. And before that, I came from an even smaller town of 1,400 people called Grinrod, and and if you're driving through and you happen to blink, you'll miss the town. So moving to Kelowna was like, like moving to the promised land. It had a Costco. It had traffic. But I needed boldness to move here. Okay, so then what does it mean to be bold in your faith? We're going to look at a passage today that, that looks at, at, at Peter and John's boldness in the face of opposition. And I think before we get into the passage, it'd be important to just backtrack a little bit and, and understand the context of this passage. If, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Levi preached on the lame beggar who, who was healed by Peter and John in the, in the power and the name of Jesus. And then last week, Bob talked about um, Peter and John preaching in the temple and where they drew a huge crowd and it prompted onlookers to ask how this miracle was done. It gives Peter an opportunity to speak about Jesus, how he was crucified but he resurrected, and, and how he was the fulfillment of the prophets of the Old Testament, and, and how there's power in the name of Jesus. And then we come to our passage today, where Peter and John have, have finished speaking to this large crowd in the temple, and it's, it's really upset some people, some high officials that we will see in a, in a moment. And so we're going to look through these verses together. We're going to figure out what boldness for our faith means today. So if you have a Bible, flip to Acts 4, um, verses 1 to 22, and we're going to be using the CSB translation, which we we believe is a a great, easy-to-read, accurate translation of the Bible. So starting at verse 1. While they were speaking to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So we'll stop there for a moment. There's a few characters that I think we should note, and the first is the priest, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees were members of a small but very powerful Jewish sect that did not believe, their primary belief was that the resurrection didn't happen. There was no resurrection of the dead. They did not believe that Jesus rose. Many priests were mostly Sadducees, and and the temple guard was usually a high-ranking Sadducee, and his job was to keep the temple in order. And obviously, Things are not in order. There's, they said there's a crowd of about 5,000 people who are around this, and, and it, it's creating some chaos. So why then are they annoyed with Peter and John? And I kind of like that they said they're annoyed. Like when was the last time that you you preached hope to someone to the point that they got annoyed? Now imagine for a moment if, if the scientists brought like a, the COVID vaccine to, to the government, and 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 the government said, no, actually, we don't want that. We don't don't think it's going to save people. We don't think it's going to help. We'd rather just stay locked down and and figure it out our own way. Even though it might save potentially millions of lives. These are kind of what the Sadducees are doing. Like literally Peter and John are are preaching the cure to, to humanity's biggest problem. And and the people, the Sadducees, who, who know their Bible really well, they would have known the Old Testament, they're preaching the fulfillment of it, and yet the Sadducees are saying, no, we don't want that. We don't want the resurrection. And yet, as the spiritual elite, they've missed it. They've missed their, their, the pinnacle of of. The whole Old Testament was the resurrection of Jesus. And so they say, like, stop talking about it. So they're annoyed. And why are they annoyed? Well, first, they deny the resurrection, which obviously Peter and John are are preaching the resurrection. And and the problem is, so many people are coming to believe this message. Like, 5,000 people, it said, came to believe it. Second, the Sadducees are wealthy, they're comfortable. And, and they always had to try and keep on, on friendly terms with the Romans because they're, they're under the Roman rule. And, and to have chaos in the temple would mean that they would probably lose that, that trust with them. And so they didn't want to lose their freedoms. They didn't want to maybe lose their job. But the message of Jesus threatened that. It, it threatened their comfort, their jobs, and their, their prestigious lifestyle. And so here's a question for you then. Are you afraid of losing your comfort? Are you afraid of losing your lifestyle for the sake of Christ? And here's the thing about a a perfect lifestyle is Kelowna offers that. And and the problem with it is is when everything, when all your needs are met, you forget God. When you don't need God, you forget God. Is your Savior your, your lifestyle is it, is it your comfort? Is that what you daydream about? The call to a Christian is not actually a call to be comfortable or to have that perfect lifestyle. That's a call to die to those things. So then the, the question becomes, do you choose your lavish lifestyle or being saved? Comfort that the world offers but never satisfies or eternal joy with Christ? Temporarily, Earthly pleasures or eternal satisfaction in Christ that will never be threatened. The Sadducees were having their, their satisfactions, their comforts, their lifestyle threatened. And what they didn't see, what they missed, was Jesus, his satisfaction, his hope. And because their hearts are hard, they opposed what Peter and John. Are saying, despite the crowds believing it, and so they arrest them overnight. And so we'll continue on in verse fifteen. Sorry, verse five to twelve that says this. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Siphius, John Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had pr- After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about our good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you, healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by the you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by which people must be saved. So it's the next day, the elite, the rulers, the scribes, they've gathered together to figure out what is going on. Because there's large crowds accepting this, this name of Jesus. And they need to figure out how to stop it. And so if you remember, Peter and John, they, they had healed a lame man. And now these, these elite are asking, how is this possible? And I love, I love Peter's response because he says, he really holds nothing back. He says, in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And then he says this to the religious leaders. The person that was supposed to save you, you crucified him. The scripture that you've studied your entire life, your whole life, you've missed the point. You rejected the Messiah that was foretold by your own prophets. But in spite of you, God raised Jesus from the dead. What was meant for evil, God meant for good. And in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. In the power of Jesus, this man was healed. And no other salvation comes at any other name than Jesus. There is no other name that will save you. Muhammad won't save you. Buddha won't save you. Following the Jewish law is not going to save you. Your righteous deeds are not going to save you. Your money is not going to save you. Your children, your accomplishments, your image, none of that stuff is going to save you. There's only one. One name, one power that's going to save you, and that is the name of Jesus. And so continuing on at verse 13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in the name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had a performed on a man over 40 years old. Now, verse 13 is, is incredible. And we're actually going to come back to that in a moment because I want to spend the rest of the time on that verse. But first, the, the Sadducees, all these elite religious people are literally speechless. You can't argue with someone that you've probably seen every single day sitting at the temple gate begging and um, and disabled and and not being able to walk and and yet... Now he's walking, he's leaping for joy, he's been healed. And in their frustration, the, the solution that they had was to stop talking about Jesus. And with boldness, they say, no. Why? Because they value the voice of God over the voice of man. And they know the voice of God because they've been with Jesus Peter and John had had completely transformed lives because of Jesus. They saw him die, but they also saw him resurrect. And they can't hold that back. They experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit that gave them boldness. To obey the council's command would have been to disobey the voice of God. So ask yourself then, do do you value the voice of God over the voice of man? to have boldness is to obey the voice of God. Now let's back up for a moment to verse 13 and it said Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and recognized that they had been with Jesus. These people they had saw the boldness of Peter and John. Do you feel bold today? Are you willing to take risks and have courage for Jesus' sake? And maybe not. And so maybe then the question is, how do I get boldness? And I think there's there's two things that this text lets us know. First of all, they had the Holy Spirit in them that produces that boldness. But even more, they had been with Jesus, and Jesus was bold. The council, they saw that. They saw that that Peter and John had literally been with Jesus. And here's the thing. When you're with someone for long periods of time, you start to pick up the things that other people do. For example, I work closely with, with Colby and Levi. And I found oftentimes I'll say things that they say or I'll sound like them sometimes or use phrases that they use. Because I think subconsciously when we're around people, we start to to pick up on things that people say. We act like them. We talk like them. The mannerisms we do wear off on each other. Peter and John were with Jesus literally day and night for three years. They had heard him pray. They had heard him read scripture. They had heard him interact with people. And they would have seen Jesus' boldness in the face of opposition, in the face of of danger, in the face of disappointment. They would have seen Jesus in some really great moments, but they've also seen him in in some of the worst moments of his life. For example, when he was betrayed, when he was sentenced to the cross. So where does boldness come from? By being with Jesus through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And one of the, the, the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help you. You have access to that kind of boldness if you ask for it. Now, it also said that they, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. What this means is that they had no formal rabbi schooling. Like they didn't go to Jewish school like the Sadducees would have had. They would have had a prestigious education. Peter and John didn't. They're fishermen. As common as it gets, They were normal, which I think gives a lot of hope for you and I. You could be a fisherman, a carpenter, a businessman, a barista, a nurse, a janitor, whatever it is. If you've accepted Christ, then you have access to that boldness, through the the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. You don't need an MDiv or a master's in theology to be bold in your faith. You just need to be with Jesus. Now, there might be a slight problem. And maybe some of you can relate. To know about Jesus is not the same to know Jesus. Some of you might know a lot about Jesus, but you don't actually know Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. A few years ago, after I graduated high school, I went straight into Bible school. Now, if you haven't heard of Bible school, it's where you go and you learn about the Bible. And between Bible school years, because I did two years, so I did my first year, between Bible school years, I I worked at a metal manufacturing shop. And I remember, at one point I was working with with a guy, and he started asking me some questions. And he said, okay, why, why do you believe in this Christianity stuff? Like, why are you going to Bible school? Why do you want to become a pastor and all that sort of stuff? And you know what I said? I said, oh, it's just, like, it's just like a feeling I have. It's a calling that I feel like I have. It's, it's hard to explain. And that was after one year of Bible college. That question rattled me because I had no idea why I believed what I believed. I had no idea what it meant to be bold in my faith, and I couldn't tell anyone why I was a Christian. But as I thought about that, because that went over my head many times, I realized that I'd spent a lot of time learning about Jesus, but I didn't spend a lot of time getting to know Jesus. And those are vastly different. One is facts about someone. The other is an actual relationship. Like when someone asked me, why do you love your wife? I could go on about that for a long time. And what it wouldn't be is just a bunch of facts about her. What it would be is here are the things that I love about here. Here's the things that we've done together, um, the good things and the bad things. And, and th- there would be so much more depth to it because it's a relationship. It's not just facts. Okay, so then what about Jesus? Why, if someone asked you, why do you love Jesus? Could you answer that question? Could you tell them? Have you had that relationship? Boldness is a result of of a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because he isn't just some facts that you know. He's a person. He's the author of life. He's Lord. He is Savior, who loves you and has your eternity in his hands. Jesus has your back in the face of opposition or suffering. What man can do to you on earth is only temporary, but what God can do is eternal. Eternal. He promises to, to deal with evil once and for all. He promises to bring justice. So then what do you have to fear? You have nothing to worry about. If, if people are coming against you, they're coming against Jesus because the battle belongs to the Lord and he will sustain you. He will give you boldness for anything that comes against you because boldness comes with being in a relationship with Jesus. So then there's two questions I want you to really wrestle with. Why do you love Jesus? Write it down, memorize it, and then believe it. And the second is, what is the good news of the gospel? When people come and ask you, why are you a Christian? What is the good news? Peter and John were always quick to point right back to the gospel every time the opposition came against them. So what is that good news? What is the thing that you believe that, that you're willing to proclaim at the risk of being maybe arrested or annoying the religious? Or even at a positive, at the, at the idea of people's lives being saved? It could perhaps be that Jesus came down to earth, that he, he lived a perfect and sinless life, died on a criminal's cross, that he never deserved. He died, but he rose from death. He resurrected, victorious over sin, Satan. Satan, had thought, he wanted the cross, but, but Jesus crushed him when he resurrected. And he did this for those to be set free, for those who, who believe will not perish, but have eternal life with him. Why? Because he loves us. Is that a message you're willing to die for? And when you know the answer to those questions, and I can't answer the first one for you, and I've given you my definition for the second one, but, but that will lead you to a boldness of faith because you have the boldness, a message of, of hope and of why you love Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, through the help of the Holy Spirit, you have access to that kind of boldness. And a, and a kind of boldness that you never thought you would have ever had. Because when Jesus has been in your life, He has seen in your life. So then practically, what does it mean to be bold in our faith? As one as one of my favorite authors, Bob Goff says, he says, God isn't isn't dazzled when you go across the ocean. He's amazed when you walk across the street. That's boldness for today. And maybe, maybe boldness isn't getting arrested because you've upset the religious and, and now you're being arrested for your faith. But maybe boldness is, is talking to that coworker that you know needs the hope of the gospel today or this week. Maybe it's walking across the street and, and talking to your neighbor. Maybe boldness is, is offering to serve somewhere in your community, being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Maybe boldness is picking up the phone or calling and texting that person with the hope of Jesus today. And if you don't know where to be bold, if you don't know who to talk to or or what to say, ask God, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal people you should talk to because I think he'll bring people to mind. And when when you've been with Jesus, And you've invested that time into your relationship. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, you will have every opportunity in your life to be bold in your faith. Jesus, he lived, he died, and he resurrected for the purpose of saving you, setting you free, and giving you freedom to be bold in your faith. And people will see it. The religious leaders saw it on Peter and John. They were amazed by their boldness. People can see it in you too. When Jesus has, has been in your life, he's seen in your life. So let's then be a church that's bold, bold in the face of persecution, bold in, the, in proclaiming our faith, bold in our evangelism, in our love for one another, in our forgiving of one another, and ultimately bold in our hope in Jesus. So let's start by by asking God where he wants us to be bold this week. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us and that our hope is in your resurrection. That you, you didn't die, but Lord, you rose to life and, and you've given us freedom to be bold in our faith. I thank you for the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us, who gives us courage and, and, it, and allows us to take those risks to show the world your power and your name which can free people. I pray for boldness this week. Lord, I pray that you bring people to mind that that need to hear hope and that need to be saved. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And I pray that you would give us boldness in our faith this week. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.